All right. A heat wave. Oh, there he is. Me, 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 me. A heat wave. Burning in my heart. I can't keep her from from crying. I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder. Thank you for tuning in today. He's both the storm and the calm after it. He's my husband and producer of the podcast, David Rossetti. How are you, dear? Oh, good. The storm and the calm after it. You know mm. it, baby. I'm rolling my shoulder right now. You can't You, you can't, can't see it, it, but you can feel it, listeners. Because this is audio. Audio. Audible, but not audible. Oh, I want to get paid to do audible books. Know, I've been listening right? to so many audible books lately, and I want to make like that money, honey. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Is that an audiobook? I mean, if if they have an audiobook of Dr. Seuss. Oh my gosh. I don't, do you know, I don't think, I got <laughs> done, did wrong in my childhood. I don't remember Dr. Seuss that much from my childhood. Really? Did someone like, re- is it actually a children's book or is it yeah. more? Okay. And he was a doctor. <laughs> and, he and he was, was a, a doctor. doctor. Which even if you, um, this is a hot political issue, but um, even if you got your doctorate in education, you are still a doctor. Someone's trying to come after Dr. Jill oh, Biden. Oh, enough. I'm done. Enough. I can't with all this. Uh, the labels and, and things and all that and, and, and everyone offended by something and you can't be this or that. It's. Uh, I mean, listen. No, the Wall Street Journal like basically said that she shouldn't be a doctor because she has a doctor in education or teaching. And so, not... moving Sorry. right along. <laughs> this is not a political podcast. I know. Not a political podcast. But it kind of is. So I've got my doggy in my arm. Doggy, Mr. Benson. He's been very uh, melancholical because uh, we just uh, moved this last week. We are here. We are in the new podcast studio. We are. Bum, look, Benson wants to talk. Look at. Oh. Oh, I think we got a little noise from that Benny was him. That was him. That was his little, his little yeah, nose. Yeah, he's sitting on my lap and we've been doing nothing but going cray, 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 uh, moving in, uh, David working on electronics, me organizing, unpacking boxes, all that good stuff. So he's he's feeling starved for some some quality love yes and we're trying to give it to him every second again a week after we spent a lot of money um if you are homeowners you know money being wired yeah where'd that all go where did it all go number one and then number two and under a week um we had car troubles yeah yeah so anyway we're We're nailing it i mean cars were one of the reasons i never wanted to leave new york city because i just didn't want to deal with it so i'm gonna say knock on wood we've been very fortunate no it's true i didn't say this to you but in the back of my head as we moved in and everything went so sort of breezily with our move and and all that stuff in the back of my brain i was going What's going to happen with our car? Something's going to happen. I didn't manifest it. I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, something's going to happen. Well, here we are. I had a very like anti-Cleo moment. Anti-Cleo? Miss Cleo? Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo? Uh, Sorry I cut you off on politics. Say whatever the hell you want, because guess what? It may not be a political podcast, but it's our podcast. So actually, what do you want to say? Did you have something specific you wanted to say? No. Just there was some Wall Street Journal like... 
op-ed, this guy who doesn't even like, I think he just has like a bachelor's degree. Not that anything's wrong with that or anything's wrong with not getting a degree or whatever, but he was just coming for Jill Biden and, and, and saying things like, listen here, kiddo. Oh, yeah. Like just gross. Just like, um, misogyny is dead folks. You can try to cling on, but it's over. Isn't the world fight the patriarchy. Isn't the world crazy? It's crazy. And at all the things like really, really, Anyway, don't get me started. Don't get me started. I won't. Uh, let's talk about something good. Like, let's talk about the cinnamon rolls that we had tonight. Ooh, yes. Let's talk ah, about the cinnamon I rolls. I want you to tell me. So, okay, our guest is very, very special, and we'll get mm. we'll get into talking about her uh, more in just a moment. Our guest is she's the best. Uh, beyond the best, she's very, very dear to us. But we made the cinnamon rolls from her book, which are actually a raw cinnamon roll. So, David, I want to know what your thought was on it. Delicious. Like, I mean, just like to me, I'm learning as a vegan, like some, some dates are like a great place to start. And these cinnamon rolls, like the, the, whatever, like the filling of like the roll is like super tasty. And then with the dates, it's literally like, yeah. Like love is being made in your mouth. Oh, oh, wow, wow! wow. We just got X-rated real quick. Well, I Sorry. just wanted to know specifically what you thought of it because when we were filming the vegan roadie uh, way back in season one, mm-hmm. we were in St. Louis and I was checking out restaurants and we were in the van ready to. I was like, "Well, I've got to go look at this place, and it's a raw place." And you nearly, you like almost smashed the window, and you were like, "I'm on board for the vegan, but I can't go to any more raw places." And Truth. I was like, "Whoa." Truth. I mean, you... Well, but this was also a long sure. time ago. Sure, sure, sure. Like six years ago. I mean, but you definitely threw down the... Ga- you had a moment. You I threw did. the gauntlet on. You were did. like, no more raw food. I'm not doing it. And I had to like... And it, <laughs> I remember at the time I was like, but David, it's like literally my mission to find like all the plants that I possibly can. And you were like... And we were both on the road at the time. So you were like there for just a week. You were visiting me in St. Louis as you were off on a tour. And I was on a tour and I was filming the show. But I remember I was like, okay, you can only push it so far with people and he cannot. A- and I get it also. But that's why I asked about these cinnamon rolls because they are raw, but, and not but, there's lots of raw food that's delicious. And I work a lot with it right now, personally, actually, in in my job. But this cinnamon roll was decadent. It was gooey. It was was creamy on the inside. It was like the perfect, I mean, it would be like a perfect snack that you can kind of feel like, okay, like good about. Well, it's cool too in the book. Sugars with the dates, but like you just, you, it's not like it's. I don't know cinnamon. It's toast not a bunch of refined sugar. Yeah, yeah like refined. that Christmas cinnamon toast uh, <laughs> cereal that you wanted to grab the it other night. Me. That it you didn't. I was so sleep. proud of you. I didn't. Um, or but did, um, or did I? The it came together so easily too. The crust was just like nuts and dates and cinnamon, and then the inside was raisins and cranberries and oh, cinnamon, and it was raisins. all. It just came together so well. It froze, and now we've got like 16 servings in there that we can just have when we want a little snack. super hard so that they're super like stoked about right it. there. So these were all created by my dear friend, Ashley Madden, who we've got on the podcast today. Uh-huh. We've got her here to talk about her new book, the plant based cookbook. This episode, I know I say this often that I'm very excited about them, but it's very, very special to me. I'm so excited to share 
all the information about this book with all of you. I, I really can't wait. Um, David and I have known Ashley. Ashley and I, you'll learn the whole thing about Ashley and I in the in the podcast. We met in culinary school and we've been like besties ever since. Literally besties. I mean, if you look at the movie Beaches, for those of you that don't know, it's a Bette Midler, Barbara Hershey movie, Hershey movie from the 80s. Get into it if you haven't already. It was remade later with Adina Menzel in it as a TV Lifetime movie. Not as good, obviously. So watch if you the haven't, original. It's, it's literally required viewing it's required viewing and but my point of this is um ashley and i are like the modern day beaches because we have been long distance ever since the time we went to culinary school together in new york and we've had little bits of time together when she's been back in new york and now we've been apart she's in taipei i'm here in atlanta now but i talk to her more than i talk to anybody else i think true um that's true and especially with all the food stuff, her and I have been in and out of all of it together. Um, we've grown in the culinary uh, world together. Um, and we just rely on each other so much for everything when it comes to like just support. Um, so just here and now, just saying out loud, Ashley Madden is one of those people that are near and dear to me. So excited for you guys to meet her a little bit more about her. Ashley is a full-time food lover, trained and passionate plant-based chef, pharmacist, certified holistic nutrition consultant, and food photographer. And yes, she does all of those extremely well. Um, And she did the food photography again, as we talk about in my current book coming out, Epic Vegan, Quick and Easy, and the last book, Epic Vegan, which is amazing. Um, And she kind of how she started on her health journey is she had a, a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. Triggered an overall, an overhaul of her personal and professional life. And ultimately, she uh, traded prescriptions for plants. She shares her whole food, plant based culinary creations on her recipe blog, Rise, Shine, Cook. Dot .ca uh, Ashley has worked with health and wellness brands as a recipe developer and wellness writer. She has photographed several cookbooks and she is here today to talk about her very first baby of her own with many more to come, I'm sure of it, but she wrote and photographed everything for this gorgeous and informative book, The Plant-Based Cookbook, coming out everywhere books are sold January 12th. Now, I'm thrilled to say, such enthusiasm here. Please welcome to the Keep On Cooking podcast, my best Judy, Ashley Madden. Here she is, creator of the popular website, riseshinecook.ca, certified holistic nutritionist, plant-based chef, phenomenal food photographer, and author, Ashley Madden. Darling, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. Good. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get right into our icebreaker question. So your icebreaker question is, what's the weirdest way you have met someone? You know, moving around, like, so I've lived in, you know, I'm from Canada, but I've lived in Europe and I'm living, I'm in Taiwan right now and we met in New York. So moving around so much, like the way you meet people actually always becomes weird. Like I haven't met traditionally like at a party like in so long but something does stand out and it's a very it's that's exactly what it is it's super weird so when we were in culinary school in 2014 so in New York um my husband Bernard came to visit me so I was living on the Lower East Side at the time and we went to uh the butcher's daughter for anyone who's listening who's in New York we went to the butcher's daughter for Mm -hmm. lunch and like in this restaurant, they have like seating against one of the windows and it has these swivel chairs. Um, I'm familiar. And- I know what you speak of. Yes. I've eaten right, right? many a pasta and- in those swivel chairs. Exactly. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm super like clumsy. I will break 
trip over everything. Like I'm just such a plus. <laughs> and anyway, so I ordered like a tomato bisque or something and I get it and I sit down and then the swivel chair like swivels in too quick into the table. Like I didn't know how much like force was behind the spring and I hit my bowl of soup and it goes all over the guy sitting next to me at the swivel chairs. Oh. So I'm there like super apologetic. I'm so embarrassed. It's like movie and- clumsy. Yes. Like, no, this is actually, <laughs> actually sounds like a fake story. This sounds false. So I'm like apologizing. I'm like helping clean it up. He's super cool about it. And then I notice he has this like big chef's knife tattooed on his forearm. And then like, because like all I see, think, breathe at the moment is culinary school sure, because you know, yeah. whole life while you're there. And I, I'm like, are you a chef? Anyways, turns out this guy is a chef. He was like one of the finalists on one of the Food Network um, food competitions the year before. And we start chatting and he's like, hey, like next weekend at midnight, I'm doing like an elite pop-up in Soho do you want to be on my team? I like barely knew how to cut an onion at that point, but I was like, yes, for sure. Uh-huh. And so I don't hear from him. Then he texts me the next Friday. And that Saturday night at midnight, I go to this like warehouse in Soho and very oh my poorly, gosh. I know. And very poorly help this very small team of like crazy, amazing chefs prepare like this 12 course dinner in the middle of the night for all these people in Soho. It was the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. That's amazing. Is that, did you later go work with this person some more or am I confusing that with another chef? Did you ever work with this person again? I didn't. He was like, let's do this again. You were great. I wasn't great. Oh my God. No (laughs) joke. I actually cut myself the minute I took my knife. He's definitely like, he was definitely uh, regretting the choice, but he and I stayed in contact for a while, but he was from the West coast and he was just in New York for that like two week period. I think anyways, then he went back, we texted a couple of times, but you know, nothing ever happened, but that is definitely the weirdest way I've ever met someone. And then the weirdest consequence. Of wow. That's crazy. This cray. Mine's cray. a New York one too. I met my my dear friend Joanna, who I'm still friends with today. We met in line for uh, lottery tickets for the Avenue Q, the show Avenue Q, and it was on yeah. Broadway. And we both won single tickets to the show in the lottery, and then they ended up being next to each other. So we sat next to each other. And we just started like chatting it up. And then we started chatting to the guys next to us. And after we were like, oh my God, we should like all go out and grab a drink. So we went out and we, with the four of us, like stayed out all night. And then her and I just became like fast friends and like, just like besties at the time, like inseparable. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's like, that, that's such a great story though. Isn't that funny? And uh, Avenue Q has a special place in my heart because of like random things like that, but it's funny now, but I want to go back to you cutting yourself. Um, because what people might not know is that you and I went to culinary school together. Um, and so we went to the natural gourmet Institute chef's training program in 2014. Um, I was just trying to think of that first day we all took out our knives. Did you cut your finger immediately? <laughs> Actually, just side note, I was going to say the weird, the weirdest way I met someone, not weirdest, but I mean, you and I, you were the first person I spoke to in the classroom on day one. And then like we've been besties. So, but <laughs> yes, 
Yeah. First day of knife training, I almost cut my whole fingernail off. <laughs> you did. It was so there were a few people, though. I'm happy to, I mean, it, you shouldn't, there, it wasn't just you. There were a few people. And I remember standing there as we were all cutting, and I was like, um, What is happening? Well, and I was like, Did I really sign up? to be in a class with like 17 strangers who all have these huge chef's knives. I was like, thank God I didn't listen to true crime at the time. Cause I think my mind would have been racing. It was a bit of a massacre. The first there week were several was- people that cut their fingers. Yep. And honestly, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a mind game when you're like, this is what I want to do. I'm so passionate about this. I've been waiting for this for so long. And like minute one, you screw it all up by like almost cutting your finger off. <laughs> it's just- I I will, I will probably say I I I, w- I would probably say oh I didn't cut my finger but I never cut my finger in class but I certainly have cut my finger finger several oh, yeah, many now times. Yeah, like of course. Yeah. Now it's fine. Um, you mentioned that we met and we've become friends and I loved you instantly because one, you love Beyonce and Britney as much as I do, and two, you would bring a mango to class and eat it for breakfast, and I was super into the mango love. I remember you like sitting yeah. with a whole mango in class, but also back to number one. I knew I would love you forever when talking about Britney because the best thing you've ever said to me is Britney could eat her babies and I would still love her. It was, I remember this so much. <laughs> I am a fierce like pop music lover. Beyonce I love is it. my queen. And yes, yeah, I love, uh, we did connect on that. And breakfast, I am a massive lover of mango and breakfast. So yeah, we were oh, destined. I loved it. And I actually started then uh, eating a lot of mango for breakfast then as well. You and you, you were an influence on my mango love. Um, but where are you right now? You're in Taipei. I know this. I'm acting like I don't know. I'm like, where are you right now? You- <laughs> yeah, where in the world? Is Why is that? it? They tell our listeners, like you travel around so much. And, and what takes you to all these places? Yeah, so uh, I'm currently in Taipei, Taiwan. Um, And so my husband is an engineer and works in the wind farm industry, um, which is a very interesting industry to be in if you like to travel. So that's how we moved from Canada to the Netherlands. uh, And now, yeah, now in Taiwan. So this is where we are. And it's crazy because... I never imagined myself living in Asia ever. I was very resistant to the idea for so many reasons, like my career, um, just like, you know, like a very foreign country, very, very foreign country. But um, we've been here now for two years and Taiwan is so fabulous. I never thought I would love it this much. I love that. I, um, I, it's been Interesting knowing you now, because I guess we've known each other six years. And since then, I've traveled a lot with the vegan roadie and you have Mm -hmm. literally like, just lived in different countries. (laughs) I know. It's so weird. It's so, I know. It's like, uh, I remember the day I told you I was moving to Taiwan. You were like, oh, of course. I was like, of course. And then later I was like, wait, you're what? And now you're there. And now you're doing it. Okay. And then we're all like, everything's going to be okay. And actually, our phone schedule has worked out pretty well. It has your mornings, my nights, yep. our chats. It yep. Well. yep. It's been amazing. But now before you've been moving around like this, let's take it back and recall your early years. If we can tell the listeners where you grew up and when cooking became a part of your life, give us your story a little bit. Sure. So I grew up in uh, Newfoundland, Canada. So uh, most easterly province in Canada. Um, you know, it's funny because 
I didn't grow up fooding, uh, fooding. I didn't grow up cooking. I was listening <laughs> to your interview um, with Tracy McCorder. And you, I remember you asked her something like this. And she's like, yes, you know, I, she's amazing, by the way. She's um, so lovely. So lovely. And so doing amazing. so many things, changing the world. Yeah. So inspirational. Um, and she talks about how like growing up and cooking was, you know, part of the thing, part of like her whole story and her journey to where she is now with food. And I am like the opposite. I didn't grow up cooking at all. I swear the first time I even like had avocado, I was like 20. Like <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. You know, like I remember like we grew up in a very uh, like traditional household where like my mom cooked, but it was like, you know, this is what we have Monday. This is what we have Tuesday. Sure. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember. And was it kind of like, did she do like crock potty stuff? Like sort of like. I could probably literally list for you Monday to Friday. It was like wow. steak casserole one night. It was spaghetti another. We had shake and bake chicken a lot. Um, <laughs> and you it held. was, you know, it was like a lot of like, you know, cream of mushroom soup, but like it came yep. from a can. Yep. And like, God bless my mom. It was all amazing. And no, that's what like, my mom did too, actually, when I think yeah, about it. Like at that time, it just wasn't like you weren't making marinara sauce from scratch, you know? Right. Um, but I remember watching Rachel Ray. I'll I'll never forget this. I don't know how old I was. I must've been like in my early teenage years. And I remember watching her make something from scratch. And I was, I remember just the realization of like, holy crap, like I can make a sauce myself. Like it doesn't just come from a bottle. And that's my (laughs) earliest memory of being like, I have to go and try this in the kitchen. And I did. I went and made this like weird noodle dish that she made without even following her recipe. It was absolutely terrible, but it was just like the love was there as like, it was instant love. Do you I remember like, like oh when God. that was in your, in like how old you were or when? I think I was probably like 14 or 15. Okay. Okay. And then did you like dive into cooking or it still so- took some time after that? It was sort of like the realization and then it sparked or it was like planted then and slowly started to grow. It was okay. I don't want to be too long winded here, but my journey from like not being a chef to going to culinary school is long and a bit windy, but I'll, I'll try and shorten it. So, um, as you know, so I'm a pharmacist first, that's what I I went to university to study. So I worked in pharmacy for um, some time after I graduated, but I struggled a lot trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my career in my like late teens and, you know, graduating high school. And in hindsight, it's very interesting. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I took like an aptitude test in my first year of university to like figure out like what I wanted to do with my career because I was having such a crisis, like not knowing what I wanted to do. And the number one thing that came back was the culinary arts. No kidding. No kidding. And I was 19 at the time. And I was like, okay, well, I I don't have any, uh, that's totally out like left field here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so I, you know, you were like, that's cute, but moving on. Exactly. I was like, okay, no thanks. So I went to university, became a pharmacist, um, worked in that for a little while. And um, my first year out of graduation, when I was studying to do um, more specific work in hospitals, like a hospital pharmacy residency, 
Um, I was getting like random back pains and I used to be a runner and I had to stop running because of the pain I was having. So, you know, I went to a walk-in clinic and I saw a sports doctor and he was like, all right, you know, let's give you an MRI to see what's going on. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and so I go back for the results. Uh, this was Valentine's day. I'll never forget it. And I sit down with this doctor that like, I don't even know I'll, you know, just sitting there expecting him to be like, oh, you know, you have like a torn muscle or a yeah. ligament thing. And then he's like, okay, yeah, you have multiple sclerosis. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? (sighs) Just time stood still, you know, it was instant fear, shock. Like it was the beginning of almost, I call it like a quarter life crisis in my book. It's, um, it was a period of time of reckoning for me up for a lot of things. Anyways, so <clears throat> I finish my, the pharmacy program that I'm doing and it takes me like years to kind of come to terms with this diagnosis. Yeah. And I didn't tell anybody, I kept it secret. Like I just had to really figure things out. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then when I kind of like started to accept the diagnosis, a part of me was like, okay, what am I going to do about this? Like, uh-huh. I don't know anything. Like besides what I learned in pharmacy school, <clears throat> I really shut out any information then I started digging. Then I started researching. And, you know, I started to become obsessed with the functional medicine doctors that were talking about how, you know, the way we eat and live is so much a part of, you know, um, chronic disease, you know, the inflammation we have in our bodies, autoimmune disease. And I just kept reading and researching and reading and researching. And, I, you know, I just got so... Um, so much hope from what I was reading. And Mm -hmm. so then while I was working as a pharmacist, I studied to become a holistic nutritionist because I was so, it was so interesting. Like I was almost like trading prescriptions for plants in, you know, in my, my personal and my professional life. And as I learned more about the healing power of food and how we can prevent so many chronic illnesses through the way we eat and live, you know, I started to make changes in my own life and I started to change my own diet. And, um, you know, and that's when I started, you know, eating a plant-based diet really. And, um, then I guess a couple of years after that, I was like, no, this is my passion food and its relation to health and the power that it has is my absolute passion. It's, you know, one of the biggest loves of my life. And then, you know, my husband and I had just got married and I was like, I really want to go to culinary school. And he was like, you have to do this. And then the rest is history. Then I moved to New York city all by myself and took a leave of absence from my job as a pharmacist and studied to become um, a chef. And here we are. I'm smiling so big right now. You told this, I, I, you know, I know the story, but that unfolded into this beautiful place of getting, and you know, you starting with the aptitude test of it saying, you know, culinary arts is the thing. And you're like, yeah, okay. And then (laughs) how this sort of unfolds and like the universe was like, here's this thing. It's terrible and like I'm hurting you, but then it pushes you into this realization that has brought you like it has brought your true gifts like to the forefront. Like it's amazing. It's thank you for saying that. And you know, when you're going through hard times, it's it is tough to keep that, you know, hopeful spirit or sure, sure lining. But um, you know, I think I open up my cookbook with the quote, you know, um, with great challenge comes, you know, great change. And I've kind of seen that happen again, again, in my life, that when things are tough, there's always, 
you know, there's always a, a window that's cracked open. There's always a sliver of hope. There's always a way forward. And really, um, you know, adopting a plant-based lifestyle, moving into the culinary arts is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. And the only reason it happened is because, you know, I had a very terrible diagnosis, you know, at 23. So, um, yeah, it's still so much a part of my journey. And I hold the story so close to me because um, I feel like a lot of young people go through really tough things and more and more young people or, or people of any age are getting diagnosed with, you know, uh, different diseases or getting bad news or having to handle really difficult situations. Sure. I feel like, you know, the more you share your own story, the more you kind of encourage other people to find the way forward in theirs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just really have, um, you have such a, a you have such a, a great approach in this book of taking your life experiences and helping people sort of feel at ease with change and learning new things. And we're going to dive into that book. Before we do, I want to ask you the question I ask every guest. What was your first plant-based cookbook? Oh, my God. I First, I have to say that like cookbooks are so important to me. Like the real book, you know? Yeah. You know. Yes. I pre-order everything. I shipped two massive containers of cookbooks to Taiwan with me. Like I love a cookbook. It's a whole world for me. So you actually inspired my pat, my sort of love of cookbooks because I always liked them a lot, but when I would get on the phone and talk to you about them, I was like, Oh, 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 I didn't think that. Oh, I didn't think this. Like you, you have a great perspective on the way you sort of consume them. Oh, thank you. It's like reading a book to me. Like I sit down in silence with like a beautiful cup of coffee and like I read every word. I love. Honestly, they should be read like that. I, you know, they're, it's like a book, you know, the authors put so much into it and it's their life that they put into it. Like every cookbook is like a little, a snapshot of some of an author's life at that time. And it's a little bit of a memoir to it, like gives pieces of them, which I mean is essentially what this podcast is about now that we're talking about it. Why I love it so much because in one of your previous interviews, you also say like, you know, especially with vegan cookbooks, like everybody's kind of got a story that they want to share. And it's so true, like cookbook authors and chefs and food photographers, you know, I think at, at, you know, when you go into their heart about it, they're, they're artists, you know, so there's always incredible in a cookbook. So, okay. I love a cookbook. My very first vegan cookbook I ever purchased was the original Forks Over Knives cookbook. Okay. All right. Yeah. Right. Because I came to veganism and a plant-based diet through the health door, you know, I was like, this, I need to figure out how to do this for my health. And Right around this time, the Forks Over Knives documentary, the very first one, I think actually there probably is only one. Yeah. The original came out. One documentary, but then they've got several books now, I believe. Right, exactly. So I mean like the very like the very first cookbook. Like the very first cookbook doesn't even have any – like I, I think it's got like 10 pictures in right. it. I, I'm probably like <laughs> – the number is probably more than that, but it's not like, a, oh, a beautiful picture for every recipe. Do you know what's so, funny is I think I don't have their first one, but I have like a second and third one maybe. Yes. Interesting Yeah, I have enough. all the other ones. So that was my first one. And I like studied it. I was like, how do you saute without water? What are you doing to thicken your sauce? You can just like, again, it was because I didn't grow up cooking from scratch. Like a lot of my first lessons with preparing food 
are the vegan way. So when people are like, oh, you're going to make that sauce without butter or without heavy cream, I'm like, duh. Like, yeah. why, what else? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know any other way. Like, right. I, this is the way I've always done stuff. So, um, and I still have that cookbook here with me today. I still, and, and, and the chefs that are in that cookbook, they're fantastic. And um, actually kind of a full circle moment. So that was my first cookbook and I have collaborated with them on recipe development. Yes. And isn't that amazing? I didn't even think about that before, but yeah, that was oh, my I first. I love cookbook. that so much. If I had a sound effects button right now, I would play round of applause <laughs> from the crowd. I love that so much. Well, but speaking of books, we should dive into your book, the plant-based cookbook, vegan gluten-free recipes for lifelong health. Uh, y'all it's available for pre-order now everywhere. Books are sold. Um, Ashley, obviously you guys, I mean, here's the deal. Ashley and I are trying not to blabber and blabber on because she's literally the person in my life. We get on the phone and just, just talk. Like we talk, we do the life thing. We talk about the life thing. So I'm trying not to blabber on about this, but I love this book because you don't use oils. You don't use refined sugars. It's gluten-free, you know, and the whole thing is whole food plant-based. And it's weird for me to say, I love a book that's missing elements like sugar and oils, but you've given me the confidence in the kitchen through this book to cook flavorful meals without those things. It's been very freeing, very freeing. Oh, that's so kind of you to say. Um, you know, I started eating this way when I changed my diet. I was like, "All right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to try and be the healthiest way. I'm going to do this the healthiest way I know how. I'm going to really try and prepare my body to be so healthy, so, so that you know I can prevent progression of my MS and I can, you know, handle whatever comes my way." And so when I decided to do that, um, and, you know, I did all this research and I exposed myself to documentaries and different books and, you know, scientific papers about MS and all that kind of stuff, I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, like, I guess the hardest way at the, at that time I was like, all right, the more effort it takes, the better it must be. Um, and I was prepared to, I was always a foodie. I was so prepared to feel like I was missing out. I was like, oh, I'm never going to eat cake again. I'm never going to have a delicious burger. I'm never going to have pizza again. But that's okay. Because at the time when you're so gripped by fear, it's like you're so motivated, you know? Sure. And the interesting thing for me was as I learned more about preparing whole foods, I was so shocked at the lack of deprivation. You know, I was like, oh my God, I'm so satisfied. I like this better than the original version. You know, again, I was making like cakes and icings and, you know, like lasagnas and shepherd pie and pancakes and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I was like, this world, people need to know about this world that you can be super crazy healthy and be a lover of food and be a foodie and entertain people and like love what you're eating and get seconds and thirds and still be super healthy. So for me, when I started sharing this with just people I knew, like I'd have people over for dinner and we'd eat something and I'd be like, Oh yeah, that was vegan. They're like, what? That yeah, didn't have cheese. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No, that didn't have cheese in it. And you know, just stuff like that. And like people would start asking me, well, how did you do it? And so then when I became a holistic nutritionist, I started teaching cooking classes, mostly one-on-one. And I just kept seeing the like shock and awe on people's faces about like, this is good. This is good. You didn't make this with oil and this is still good. So that's kind of when this like idea of a cookbook came about. I was like, I got to share how I do stuff. So you know, Dustin, you're very familiar that I started writing this cookbook in 2016. Yeah. So the collection of recipes in the book 
is really stuff from my life that like I've been using for years, you know? I mean, when you have to put it into a cookbook form, you start learning that you've got to like test the crap out of that and, you know, start measuring everything and get some testers involved. But these are recipes that I've been making for years. So it was kind of like the way I think about my book. It's like a gift. It's like an offering. I want other people to know that they can, you know, still live a full life and get a healthy meal on the table at the end of the day. You can still have a super crazy fancy dinner party and have it incredibly healthy. You can have like Friday night treats while you're watching Netflix and still feel, you know, like it's fun and celebratory. So the spirit of my book comes from a place of like, not restriction, but almost like acceptance and joy. Yeah, absolutely. And I also feel um, a point to hit home about it is that it's not hard. Like I just made the, um, the one pot broccoli hummus mac and cheese tonight, actually for dinner. Um, I didn't have broccoli, so I used cauliflower, but I've had it before. So it's fine. I know what it tastes like, but I'm just saying I got my veggies in still. But my point, my point of this, I think start to finish with boiling the pasta and making the sauce. It took me like 20 minutes, like, and it's like a delicious healthy, rich meal. Like I was totally satisfied with one bowl of this pasta and it had veggies in it. It was so good. Um, then what would you say to people who are just starting off about, you know, this sort of cooking and, and what's the level of difficulty when it comes to this book for the home cook? Um, not difficult at all. I would say it's not difficult. I think that, um, you just start. That's what I say to most sure. people. Just start. Don't think, I think sometimes it's very intimidating to be like, oh, I could never be vegan or I could never, whatever label you want to put on yourself, you know, I could never be that. I think it's important to kind of like peel those layers back and just be like, okay, I'm going to make one meatless meal. Let's just see how that goes, you know? Sure. Um, And I think that everybody's different. Everybody, you know, if there was one perfect diet for every, for all of us, you know, it would be so convenient, but it's not. Some people feel better, you know, with lower carb diets. Some people can't eat, you know, nightshade vegetables. Some people are allergic to nuts. Like you have to find and be true to yourself. But I think that the more we move away from processed foods and the, and the closer we move towards, um, you know, whole foods, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, the healthier we are all going to be. And I think that people need to be invited into that world instead of being shamed or told to do it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And your intro does a fantastic job of that. It's very welcoming and accessible and it feels comforting. And it's the way you you have a great way of giving information that is very digestible. Um, and, and I feel like you make every word in this book count. Like I'm getting something out of everything I read from it. But on top of but it's not just like this like text informational book, like your personality actually shines through in it with your story. So we're getting tidbits of your daily life in it and how you're managing MS. But it's educational. And it, it's got those digestible tidbits. You explain things so well. And to anyone who like might be new to this way of cooking, um, but you go from tools to techniques and ingredients. You talk about psyllium husk. Can you explain to me and any listeners oh who might God. not know what is psyllium husk, even though you've told me before, I'm still like, wait, what? Like psylium husk is... Like I, I should be a spokesperson for Selena. Like I, you I, should I, absolutely be a spokesperson. Selena <laughs> husk is like a soluble fiber. So I think it's. I think Selena husk is also like Metamucil. Is I think that's the right one. That, so see now I can connect husk. the two, and I'm like, oh, got it. Okay. 
Right. But see, I also shouldn't say that because then right. it just makes you think that it's like a laxative. It's not. So um, psyllium husk is a soluble fiber. So what soluble fiber means is there's two different kinds of fiber. There's insoluble and then there's soluble. So insoluble fiber is like roughage. It's like the, you know, undigestible fiber in like vegetables and that kind of thing. So, you know, that's a really important fiber for like um, digestive functioning, but also like your colon health and all that. Soluble fiber is quite different. Soluble fiber absorbs a bunch of water. So it draws like water into your intestines. I'm getting very specific right now. See, you see what I do? I go so Anyways, so psyllium husk, because it's um, absorbs water, it becomes like a, almost like a gelatin, like a thickened like substance. And what that does is it actually works the same way as like, um, eggs work or like flaxseed uh, eggs. Yes. Okay. You know? So it's like a binder. All right. So it is one of my favorite ways to eliminate the need for eggs. Um, sometimes I use it instead of starch when I'm sticking things together. A couple of notable recipes from the book that are um, possible because of psyllium husk are um, the buckwheat bagels, the mini buckwheat bagels in the book, mm. which I always, always, always have in my freezer. So they're made with buckwheat flour, chia seeds, psyllium husk, and almond flour. And so the binder in the bagel is just psyllium husk. And it's not that much. I think it's a couple in the bagels. It might be a couple of tablespoons. I have to like bring up the recipe. And then um, other things that I use psyllium husk in is um, – the uh, carrot cake with citrus cream cheese icing. I use the psyllium husk there. And probably. No, so, most what is it used for in the icing then? Oh, sorry. It's not in the icing. It's, it's in just the- in the cake. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's just me like riffing off of whenever I have to talk about the recipe with my publisher. Sure. I like you. <laughs> I was like, wait, um, in frosting? No. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe you could. Um, and then <laughs> I, I guess. Another one, and I use it a lot in baked goods. Like in the book, there's also an amazing multi-grain bread, and that's made with like whole grains. So like whole buckwheat, whole quinoa, and the whole thing sticks together and bakes in the oven and is sliceable because of psyllium husk. Oh, you're just, you're so smart. Everyone should know that I passed um, uh, culinary school. I made it through because of Ashley. Uh, (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) I didn't cheat off her test, but she certainly helped me with flashcards when we had written exams. We would study hard, and she always she always had it uh, uh, all planned out for me so that I was able to learn a little bit better. I'm not so good at the written stuff like that, and you were you were my savior. Oh, everyone should also note that we switched our final exam of our Friday night dinner to a different night so that we could go to a share concert together. See, this, this friendship runs deep. Share before food. Sorry, that's just the way it's going to go. Um, but going back to the buckwheat bagels, actually, it's one of my favorite photos in the book. And we have to tell people that you did all the photos in the book. They are done by you and they are stunner. There's a photo for every recipe in the book, which I know readers love, love, love. So they're going to I love this. And what was your favorite part about doing the photography for your own book? Any like favorite photos that come to mind or like just a day where you just had an amazing shoot where it was, you know, things were just like yeah. just rolling right off and fantastic shots one after the other or anything? Yeah, well, you know, so this is, as you know, I've done, you know, this is my third cookbook that I've shot, but it's my first, my first cookbook that I've shot of my own. And it's so interesting how your recipe creation development process 
is impacted by the fact that you know you're going to take a picture of it. Sure. And, and you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but because you know, <laughs> I would like recipe. And I'm like, oh, well, it'll look better with this on top. Well, and for every recipe too, it's not like you were like, oh, well, this one, I don't need to have as much color because it's not going to be photographed right. like every recipe, every recipe. So I have to say, you know, I think it's probably obvious, but it was a beast of a project. Yeah. I started having, a, you know, a lot of the recipes already finished. I started making this book in September of 2019. And I like put the, you know, sign seal delivered stamp on the book, I guess, in June of 2020. And so it was so much work, um, but it was also the, the best thing I've ever done. It was so engaging, like creatively, I felt so fulfilled. Um, and it was just such an amazing experience in terms of photography. There were some pictures where I was like, I'm having so much fun with this. And, you know, the same way in, you know, in, in the creating a recipe where like one ingredient can really blow your mind. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, I am obsessed with, you know, I don't know what we could say anything like tempeh or sesame seeds or, or, you know, and like just that is your inspiration for uh, the beginning of a recipe, the same way it works with photography, you know, like I'm really into linens and cloths and texture. So, you know, I'd find this really great like linen napkin and that would be like my inspiration for a picture. And um, it was just such a rich full time. Um, I love that. One of the, my favorite pictures, the Buckwheat pictures was absolutely amazing. I love that photo. I love that. I mean, so there's powerful. so many that I love, but that one really pops to me every time I go through the book. And yeah, and they're like, you know, they're, um, I use the bagels to kind of like showcase the different spreads in the book, like a brilliant beet hummus, um, a sour or a French onion, sour cream dip, you know, our house hummus, that kind of stuff. So it was very fun. But don't forget too that like I get to eat everything, you know? <laughs> so like I would just like make my work, shoot it, and then eat it. Um, Thank I heavens also- for husbands, right? Thank heavens. Yeah, bottomless pit, and he'll eat anything. It's amazing. <laughs> but um, I have to say, a, a picture that really stands out in my mind, a recipe as well, is um, the raw cinnamon rolls that are in the dessert chapter. Yeah, yes. I so know. taking that picture, I don't know. It's so. I mean, it's just a picture of the cinnamon roll log being cut into slices, but it's so clean and it's so crisp and. I just think it was like a really fun experience for me. And that was, I took that picture like towards the end of the project. So it was probably a period of time where I was feeling pretty confident and, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but that's sure. a picture that's done. Well, when did you start getting into photography? When did that start in all of this? Right. Um, again, something I never thought would happen because I'm so technologically challenged. Like, you know, at the beginning of this recording, I was like, how does this <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so, I was like, on my end, I was like, David said it was preset and I can't find the right button. <laughs> I found it, everybody. I found it. We're okay. We're good. Um, yeah. So as you know, the year, the year I moved home from New York. So I started my own like business where I was doing cooking classes, um, corporate talks and demos, um, and some nutritional consulting. And it was really fantastic. And it felt really great about it. And then all of a sudden we were like, we're moving to the Netherlands for my husband's work. And, you know, it wasn't all like bad news. It was quite exciting. You know, I love Europe. I always wanted to move abroad and live abroad. So, you know, we made the decision to move to the Netherlands. And then when we moved there, 
we moved to a rural town. So it wasn't a big city. There weren't a lot of English speaking people or there wasn't an expat community or anything like that. And then all of a sudden I didn't have my business and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing here? And then I was like, you know what? I need to move some of this online. You know, I need to do more stuff online. I need to share my work online and find people to collaborate with there. And really, you know, today, if you want to share your work in terms of, you know, recipes and any kind of food information or education, you really need a visual to match. So I was like, I got to learn how to take pictures of food. So I got like a crappy ass camera and I just started taking pictures of everything and feeling my way through it. And, you know, I took some courses, but I have to say, and I, cause I know there's a lot of people out there who are aspiring food photographers. The biggest gift of that two years when I lived in the Netherlands was time. I just practiced trial and error, trying new things out, different kinds of light, learning about, you know, the different settings on your camera. So that's where I learned. And then I think I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a, might be a little good at this. And so then I got a little more serious about it, upgraded my gear, started reaching out to different outlets to partner. And then I shot my first cookbook, which was yours, Yay! Um, the Epic Vegan Cookbook. And then it's been steady work since then. So that's kind of how I got into it. So now I have like a photography studio in my apartment in Taipei. Um, and I have an entire room that's full of just like uh, props. Here. Uh, yeah. So that's how it happened. I didn't realize that was when, and, and now you walking through that timeline, that totally makes sense to me for, I, for some reason, I, I kind of thought that make that like you left culinary school and you jumped right into it then, but that makes sense that it was the Netherlands. Yeah, that no, I took shape. I'm thinking about that now and that all totally, it was kind of like <laughs> that checks out. That has been fact checked and that is true yeah. in, in my <laughs> brain. I just said fact checked it. Um, But yeah, that's, that's really interesting how it all sort of unfolds like that. And yes, you guys, she did Epic Vegan and she also did the next book of mine, Epic Vegan Quick and Easy. Um, I couldn't have imagined anyone else doing the photos and she did a phenomenal job. What are some of the publications that you've done? You've done some uh, like magazines and stuff. Yeah, I've worked with Forks Over Knives, uh, Vegan Lifestyle Magazine, Mind Body Green, uh, Healthline. I love it. Home and Cabin magazine. That's actually kind of where I hope to put more effort in the future. Now that I have some things, you know, set up for myself, my sure. stuff, I hope to move into that world. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. It's it is one of the biggest loves of my life. I love oh, it. I love it, and you're so good. But let's talk about the food. Let's move yes. into the food. So you have actually two breakfast chapters in the book, which I'm living for. Ooh. What's a favorite from the breakfast bowls, blends, and brunch? The BBB chapter, I like to call yeah. it. So I love breakfast. Like I wake up to eat breakfast. I'm thinking about <laughs> breakfast when I'm eating dinner. So, um, you know, the idea of putting a, just an all breakfast and brunch cookbook out was part of like the beginning pitch for my cookbook. But anyways, maybe that's somewhere down the line. But um, the first breakfast chapter, so I would have to say, I kind of divided into like, are we talking about weekday or weekends here? Because weekday, I know it might sound like a little boring, but like the everyday overnight 
overnight oats in uh, the breakfast chapter. Like they're literally in the fridge right now. I don't think that's boring at all. You've said this before. And I tell you, I think, I think people get excited about overnight oats. Cause okay. so and what do you like, do with them in this book? What do you do with yours in the book? So I really wanted to, I call it the everyday overnight oats because I really wanted to put something together that didn't require like any equipment because you know, I love a Vitamix and a food processor. You know, I love all of this mm. stuff. That I wanted to be like, okay, this is a breakfast you can put together in like five minutes when you're cleaning up from dinner and it's ready to go for the whole family the next day. So it's just like almond milk, um, oats. It's like a chia seed oatmeal combo. Delicious. help to thicken and then it's just got like blueberries which are so high in antioxidants and you know we need to eat more berries so it's just like a really easy delicious recipe and then of course with all of my recipes I kind of offer you a sweetener option because I know some people are you know really far along in their health journey and they don't you know they're really sensitive to sugars and sweeteners and they don't like them so much but then others including myself sometimes I'm like I want a little hit of sweet so you know there's the option there for that so that's like my weekday and I would have to say my weekend is is by far the buttermilk buckwheat pancakes. Mm. I do not want to toot my own horn, but these are my favorite pancakes I've ever had. Honey, toot toot. That's what it's for. That's what this podcast is for. Toot toot. Yeah, it's, they're so they're incredible. We actually had them um, yesterday. So yeah, yesterday was well, Sunday. We had them yesterday. So when you say sweetener choice, like what are some sweetener options that you give in your book? So I pretty much use the same sweeteners throughout the whole book. And I I clearly like delineate that in the intro, but so I always, if I can, I always use, you know, whole fruits if I can as a sweetener. So like bananas, apples, uh, pumpkin, sweet potato, these things always work really well for sweetening. But then when I'm moving into, um, you know, if you want to add sweetener really quickly to something, or if you're making a dessert, maple syrup and coconut palm sugar are really my two go-tos. You know, they're still, you know, sugar is sugar is sugar, but they're not, near like, you know, they're not white sugar. They're not highly processed. They come from natural sources. So those are the ones that I kind of lean towards. And also dates, medjool dates, you know, we add them to a lot of things to mm-hmm. sweeten as well. So. Well, mm-hmm. and then you also have the breakfast bakery chapter. I'm eyeing those apricot, cardamom, and blueberry bars, but is there a muffin or baked good from here you seem to gravitate towards the most? Yeah. Well, I think baking in general for me, because I think it's important to talk about like, sometimes you see a gluten-free recipe and you're like, oh my God, that's going to be a nightmare. You know, like a lot of uh, gluten-free recipes call for like, um, flour blend and that kind of thing. And I did all of it. I've, I've experimented with all of it. And so I really use just like a handful of regular flours, mostly oat flour or, um, whole oats and almond meal or almond flour. And I think I'm probably most proud of that chapter because it's like bagels, you know, the cardamom squares you just talked about, muffins and breads and like a breakfast casserole that are all made with whole foods. So um, I would say that something that stands out the most to me in that chapter is the apple chickpea muffins Mm. because, oh my God, I, I made those muffins for a cooking class I taught all about beans. And I just wanted to show people how versatile beans were and how they could work in different kinds of recipes, especially like, you know, more sweet recipes rather than savory. And so the dough, like the batter, sorry, of the um, the muffins is made out of chickpeas and they bake up so beautifully and they're so delicious. Um, and that's like probably- Like chickpeas how? So what do you do with the chickpeas? Yeah. So cooked chickpeas. So canned or cooked chickpeas. Okay. Drink okay. Yeah. And you blend them up with some almond butter, applesauce- 
um, a little bit of maple syrup, and then you mix it together with your oat flour. I think actually that's the only flour in, um, in the recipe. Isn't it so funny that like I live by these recipes and I can't recall right now. Oh No, the- I get it. And your, your head is swimming with different ingredients yeah. and you're like, Oh wait, um, I did it this one way that time. And so what did I actually put in the book? You know? Yeah. So the, anyway, so then you blend the chickpeas into the batter and, you know, you scoop them into the muffin tin and bake them. And so then you have these muffins that are so high in protein, so high in fiber, super easy. You could never be able to tell there's chickpeas in them. Not at all. So it's such a good way to like sneak nutrition into the family. If you have some people that aren't like bean lovers. So that's one of my favorite recipes I have to say in that chapter. Well, and what's your, we're talking about gluten-free baked goods. Is there sort of like a tip or a trick or like something that you do that makes yours particularly delicious? Um, I would say that I think I'd have to preface this by saying that a lot of people are trying gluten-free now, whether it be because, you know, they're celiac, in which case you have to be gluten-free or the rising incidence of gluten intolerance or non-celiac gluten intolerance. And then also there's the health trend factor where like gluten-free is trendy and that's not a bad thing. You know, trends are a lot of the time where people find the thing that fits them and fits their lifestyle. So all that's great. But I have to say with trends, comes shortcuts and, um, you know, a lot of big corporations or companies start making like gluten-free foods or gluten-free snacks and Mm gluten-free cookies. And a lot of the gluten-free stuff out there is just kind of replacing gluten, which is a protein with sugar and fat and more processed ingredients. So for me, if you look at like a gluten-free muffin that you can buy at like a grocery store, a lot of the time it's just like, full of stuff that you probably don't want to be eating. If you're, you know, if you're going to the gluten-free road or the gluten-free path for health, it's probably not an option you want. So for me, I wanted to start with, okay, how do I make gluten-free foods without like introducing a bunch of other stuff that I don't want? So it, for me, it was a lot of experimentation with, okay, how much, you know, oat flour versus almond flour gives me this texture that I'm looking for. And it's not easy. You know, you take, it took me a couple of years to come up with these recipes. Again, these are things I use in my everyday life. And of course I'm inspired by other people, but ultimately, you know, I found that I was always having to do things differently anyways. Like I'm like, Oh, that's too much sugar for me. I'm going to reduce that. Or I don't want to add oil. So I have to find a way to replace that. So I think it was a combination of having the health knowledge behind the ingredients and then also having the interest to just like experiment a lot. And and mind you, there have been many failures that come out of my oven. Like sure, so, sure. so many. Um, so yeah, I think just like an extra mindful approach to keeping things gluten-free, but also super healthy. Well, so soups and stews next. Let's give them something to stew about, Ashley. I want to make the Sunday tempeh stew myself, but what's a favorite super stew in your chapter there? Oh my God, I think you named it. The Sunday tempeh yes, stew. Yes, tell us about yeah. it then. The Sunday tempeh stew. Um, this recipe was inspired by, I know like you have to have a story for why you call it like the name of the recipe, but literally Sundays. So um, where I come from in New York, like Sundays are a big family dinner day, you know, like there's, it's always full of root veggies. You know, I'm from Canada, so we have a lot of like root veggies and, you know, traditionally um, it, it involves like chicken or turkey or something like that. But it's always, you know, something really warm and cozy. And I really wanted to create something that was equally as hearty um, 
but vegan and super healthy that, you know, we could also have on that, that day that, um, you know, you didn't feel like you were deprived or that you weren't enjoying the same kind of meal. So anyways, the stew is made by, you know, sauteing, um, some tempeh that's marinated in tamari, which is just a gluten-free soy sauce. Mm. So you could use regular soy sauce. So soy sauce and balsamic, you just, um, get a little bit of brown on that and then you take it out and then you make this stew that's made with potatoes and carrots and onions and celery and it's thickened with a little, little bit of um, brown rice flour and you add the tempeh back in and it's got rosemary and thyme and it is just like it's one of those things that you smell it you taste it and you're like oh my god i feel like i have on wool socks sure and yeah fall you know it's fall and i'm cozy and i'm just enjoying this massive bowl of stew. yeah I- I was just thinking it sounds so comforting as you're explaining it. Yeah. And if you have like some like crusty bread, you know, Mm. if gluten is in your diet and you just like dip that in there. Anyway, it's one of my favorites. I love that. It sounds delicious. And then we get into the health of it all with a chapter dedicated to sensational salads. Tell us about a salad in the book and what makes it so sensational. Ah, salads. Oh my God. People don't believe me when I say like, I love salads. (laughs) You know, I'm just like, I'm obsessed with salads because, you know, just, God, it's such an opportunity to get so many nutrients in your body in so many delicious ways. Um, In terms of a salad that sticks out to me in that chapter, I think I would have to say the Pad Thai protein salad. So that salad is, okay, so it's base is quinoa, and then it's got like sweet potato and red cabbage and um, bell peppers all mixed in there with some edamame. And then the sauce is an almond butter-based pad thai sauce. Mm. And the reason I called it like the protein-packed salad is because even though it's a super outdated argument, you know, about a, a vegan diet not having enough protein, sure. I really wanted to be like, here's a salad, you know, like a, a grain-based salad that has like almost, I think, 20 grams of protein mm-hmm, per serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super delicious and it's really good, warm or leftover the next day for lunch. So that's probably one of my favorites. Mm, I, lo- I love pad thai in general. I would definitely eat as a salad. I would be down for that. You know, I think that I just have to like put it out there. When I was deciding on the salads I was going to put in the chapter because I love them so much, I think you were like a real big cheerleader for like... Uh-huh. You're like, mm, pad thai salad, that speaks to me. And I was like, you're right. That's a good one. So I kept it in there. I, oh, it could have been Dusty's pad thai salad that I'm just saying. I, <laughs> I don't I don't know why. Whenever it comes to naming something else after me, I'm like, it's Dusty's, clearly. No, my I think my mom might call me Dusty. Nobody else. One Actually, one friend I've had since I've six, I was 16 calls me Dusty. Anyway. That's just a silly, a silly side, a silly sidebar there. Everyone loves spreads and dips, my love, and you have a f- chapter full of them. I made the unforgettable French onion dip a few weeks ago. I did for an event here in Atlanta, a little private dinner, and it was non-vegans, and they swooned over it. There's also an herbs cheese ball, which is great for holiday functions. This chapter is really great, I feel like, for just, you know, stop spreading the news. Get some stuff on the table that non-vegans can just, like, dip crackers and, um, you know, veggies, veggies and stuff into is there a, a favorite dip or something you suggest somebody serves at a party? Um, start spreading the news. That should have been the name of the chapter. <laughs> um, now I'm thinking. That'll you know, be for our book I, that we write together, darling. Yeah, we I know. Write this down right? in the memory Someday. bank. Yeah. Someday. Um, I am a lover of like hummus and dips and spreads. I sometimes, I think I say somewhere in the book, like sometimes 
I start a meal with the hummus that's in my fridge. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to beat hummus. I'm going to make some grains. I'm going to steam some veg. And then, you know, there's my like beautiful, colorful bowl. But in that chapter specifically, I think that the herbed uh, cheese ball is that's pretty special. It looks perfect. I need to make that this Christmas or Thanksgiving or something because it looks perfect. It's, I really, really love it. So I, I think I came up with this recipe now. I've fine tuned it over the years, but maybe like five years ago. And I had, I would just kept serving it like every Christmas or like Thanksgiving or something. It was just like, you know, the thing you had because me, I don't know if you're like me, but I grew up with like the packaged cheese ball. Oh, you know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a cheese ball, you know? And so um, even though my family is like super vegan friendly now and they always consider what I want to eat and, and my husband's vegan now too. So it's, you know, both of us and so many members of my family also like dip their toes into like meatless meals and have tried vegan for periods of time. So even though my family is super accommodating that way, when there was big gatherings, I always felt this responsibility to represent. You know sure, what I mean? I do. And I was like, I am going to represent with a cheese ball that is going to rival this packaged one that's going to be here. Yep. And it just became like there was never any left. People would ask me, how did you make it? What's in it? You know? And I was like, oh, it's vegan. They're like, I cannot. I literally, I cannot believe that's vegan. And so – yeah, that that one is made from walnuts and cashews and a bunch of spices, and it's just it is it's just amazing. It's amazing. It we, really, it I, really does look perfect in that the picture in the book. It looks like exactly like something I would serve on a holiday. Can I tell you a little secret? Because I know you do like dinners and like stuff like that. Yes, tell me. Fabulous chef. Something I started doing with that cheese ball was making it into like like two tablespoon little circles. And, you know, um, rolling it in whatever crust I wanted to use, whether it be chopped nuts or seeds or herbs and serving it as like a really fancy appetizer, like a little cheese ball oh, with like nice. a little special cracker on the side. Yeah. So I have fun with that recipe. That's oh, a good I like one. That. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. I, um, it's so interesting to these stories of, it's one of my favorite things about vegan cookbook authors is hearing the, the stories of, oh, when I grew up, we always had this one thing and, and that sort of ends up in our books as we do this. Mine for the next book is a game day pub cheese. My mom, oh, and I call it that only because it wasn't a cheese ball or anything like anyone would recognize. It actually came from like this little thing of cheese my mom got every Christmas from this place called Schuler's that was just this sharp cheese. And so like, yeah. that's where it came from, you know, but it, it our, our, our roots all sort of stem from a, not everyone, of course, but from a non-vegan place. And I think we just take those things and we try and find a healthier version of it. It's so cool. Love I love that story. Honestly, if you, I wish every recipe came with like an essay. I know. Do you know I know, right? Tell me, tell me your story. Ashley, I'm seeing your next book now. You're already, you're like, you know, a cookbook is like a book. And then suddenly (laughs) we are going to have like the encyclopedia collection. Listen, I, there are some big book, big cookbooks where I'm like, that didn't need to be written. But yours, I, that would be like, you should have one the size of like the, the Veganomicon books. Like you angel. It would be so good. I want like a massive cookbook that's just like full of everything that's in my head and my heart. And like, you might be the only person who wants to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it we're, literally is my dream. we're manifesting my dream. it. We're manifesting it. Ah, uh, but back to this book, the plant-based cookbook. 
book. Listen, you've got the main event, the plates and bowls chapter. Uh, I remember I tested the portobello pizzas from this chapter. I'm pleased to say, see that they've made it into the book. Uh, they were perfection. They were luscious with a little sunflower mozzarella and a burst of bright flavors with capers, balsamic vinegar, basil, and tomatoes. What are a couple of your favorite sort of main dishes from the plates and bowls chapter? Ooh. And you know, I went to great lengths to make that a giant chapter. I think there's like 19 recipes in that chapter or something. When I'm I'm going through the book and I stop at the front of that, I'm like, oh, this one is deluxe, honey. Yeah. I had to fight for that. I had to fight for that. They're like, there's so many recipes in this chapter. And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. They're all my babies. They have to stay. (laughs) So um, I think, you know, there's a couple that stand out. Um, the shepherd's pie, uh, that's like a big recipe, uh, the market shepherd's pie. You know, the top is made with mashed potatoes that have cauliflower um, tucked in there so you can't really tell. And then, you know, the base of the pie is like lentils with this like really creamy, almost like a tahini gravy, mm. sweet potatoes, veg, broccoli, everything. I love that because it's like a big and beautiful recipe that you can like make for a crowd and it still has that feel of like traditional gathering. Sure. That's, that's one that I I love and that I kind of keep in my back pocket for when I'm having a crowd where I don't want to serve people, you know, I want to like make it and like kind of serve. Yep. Set and forget it here. Serve yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, as you know, I love a bowl, you know, I love like a grain bowl with a sauce and like veg done in some creative, interesting way. So the golden bowls in uh, that chapter, I love so much. It's, um, I think it's quinoa and it's like, I give you a a protein choice. So like hummus of choice or hummus from one of the books or, um, the bee, the burger that's in my book called bees burger. Um, and it's made with like a golden bees turmeric. burger, like Bernard. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Your so husband, everybody, bees burger. I love it. Play on words, bees burger, also the best burger, and it is. It is. It is my favorite veg burger. Um, but I'm also going to take a second to like call out something that might sound boring, but I think has become. You know how you you go through phases where you love a recipe, and you're like, I'm obsessed with this recipe right now. Um. I think towards the end of that chapter, there's a recipe called the weeknight tempeh vegetable casserole. That recipe came about when I was like, I just want to throw stuff in a casserole dish. And so it's like, you just cut up some onions, carrots, broccoli, cut up your tempeh, throw it in a casserole dish. You pour this sauce over it. That's it seems like it's going to be too thin, but then as you bake it, it thickens up and it's got these like Asian flavors and it's so creamy. And we just had that. Um, I made that Saturday night for like a little fancy dinner with some red wine and it's just lovely. Oh, I love that. I love to just toss everything in and let it go. Right. You know, sometimes you want something like where you're like, oh, and then I'm going to carefully add this and then plate it this way. But then sometimes you're like, man, I just want something that's uh-huh. going to like up and tastes so good. I want to lick my plate. Yep. That's that kind of mm-hmm. I love that. And you don't shy away from sweets in this book either. One of the things I've loved about being your friend and having you on the healthier spectrum is that I can have a sweet attack sometimes and be like, 
text you or call you and be like, I need something and it, I need it to be on the healthier end and, and losing my mind, needing a sweet treat. And this is when, for me, I came across your lemon turmeric bliss balls before they even made it into the book. So that was a recipe I got from you a couple of years ago, and I've made it several times. Uh, it, the sweets chapter in here is a must. It's it's it, You got the raw cinnamon rolls you talked about, but what about you? What are your must-make sweets in the sweets and treats chapter? So I, I love sweets. Like if I had to pick between sweet or savory, I would always pick sweet. Like I'm the kind of person who, you know, at 9 p.m., if I have a craving, it's for like a brownie. It's not for like chips or popcorn or something. So for me over the years, it's been really like life-saving and necessary for my sanity to have like healthy whole food desserts. So um, I also am very impatient. <laughs> so I love having stuff that I can literally take out of the freezer and either eat immediately out of the freezer or like it takes like a minute to defrost on the counter and then it's good to go. So um, I love a good bliss ball. I said before the raw cinnamon rolls, they are one of those recipes where you can take it out of the freezer, wait like a couple of minutes and then it's ready to be, you know, enjoyed. It's delicious. Um, I also really like being able to offer healthy celebratory desserts. So like birthday cakes or, you know, like a cheesecake. It's, it was really important for me to be like, you can still make these things and have them, you know, check all those boxes, you know, like sure. vegan, you know, a really a mindful approach to sweetener, uh, gluten-free, oil-free, all that stuff. So in the book, um, there's a chocolate bun cake that I am just like, I just love because I love chocolate. So the bun cake um, is incredible and it has an icing on top, a chocolate icing made from black beans. So that's pretty much like a whole food dessert that really kind of blows my mind. And every time I make it, I have to like freeze half immediately or I'm just going to eat the whole thing. Tell me about one more recipe, more, one more sweet recipe as well. One more sweet recipe. Okay. Um, oh my God. I think I would have to talk about the um, peppermint chocolate caramel chews that oh. are in the I know this is like, it's very unique. It's like, a chew okay. like like a cookie or a caramel? Like, like what a, is it? Like a caramel. It's like a caramel. They're like square caramels. Oh, honey. Like, and the flavor was inspired by like after dinner mints. I used to be obsessed with oh peppermint mint patty. So I love a peppermint chocolate combo. And um, I really wanted something that like a little tiny chew, like a little piece of sweet that I could just like, you know, pop into my mouth like after dinner. Again, I keep these in the freezer as well. So it's these caramels, but they're made out of walnuts and dates and a little bit of um, pure peppermint extract and cocoa powder. And that's it. No added sugar. Um, so and they're kind of fun to make too. You like roll out the caramel dough and then you cut them into squares. It takes less than like, oh my God, 15 minutes really to make them. But that recipe for me is something that I also love to serve. And people are like, wait, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's a caramel. And they're like, I thought you didn't eat, you know, like processed sugars or you didn't like them. And I'm like, no, this is made with, and then, you know. I then love it. You're like, no, I don't. I know. Can you, I get so passionate about this stuff. Anyways, so that, yeah, that's like, that's another one that I'm really, really into and I eat a lot myself. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love all of this food and I'm really, really excited for the world to have this book and finally to see exactly how you have traded prescriptions for plants. You've worked so hard and you have so much to be proud of. I'm like 
beyond like i'm so just my heart is bursting for you it's gorgeous the food is beyond delicious the recipes are outstanding and you are offering the world a very expansive and welcoming way to recreate what they put on their plates for a better future all around so kudos to you now this is the book brag section book brag tell me something one thing that you're most proud of um or something that you learned that you're proud of in terms of this book so far Ooh. You know, I think that I would have to say I'm most proud of the fact that a really terrible time in my life, you know, catapulted me in, into a completely different direction. And I kind of packaged that whole experience and how I came out the other side into a cookbook. That's um, gorgeous. That's beautiful. I think that if anything, I would just like people or my hope is that people are inspired and they're moved, not just, you know, to get into the kitchen and cook, but just to believe in themselves more and to believe that change is so possible, no matter what, like what, where you're coming from, what your background is, change is possible. It's in your control. And I think that a lot of us don't even know how much power we have over creating the lives that we want. And so for me, this cookbook is literally like a bow tie on a period of my life that uh, isn't coming to a close, but you know, I can feel like the next chapter is beginning. But the last 10 years of my life have been about taking myself and my health as my top priority and figuring out how I was going to do that. And it's, you know, I'm lucky that it became my career as well, but that is what I'm most proud of that. I feel like I can give someone this book and be like, you can do this. Oh my God. I'm, I'm misty eyed over here. I, you know, I, (laughs) yeah, I, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I truly, I'm so, I'm so proud of you and that, that putting it in those words, it's, it's very profound. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tacky things up a little bit and we're going to move on to the Baker's dozen rapid fire questions. Oh, this is time. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Are you ready? Yes. All right. We're in the midst of holiday season. We will be when this comes out. So I ask you, what was a favorite holiday tradition growing up? Oh, oh my God. I'm going to hate myself for saying this one, but I have to say it. Eating chocolate macaroons at like 6 a.m. on Christmas morning. Oh, mm, what? what? Right? Yeah, oh, come on. Yeah. Any of the sweet things on Christmas morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like that you had such a specific one. That's exactly right. Uh, what, oh, so yeah. good. What's your must-have tool in the kitchen? Vitamix, hands down. Yes. The cranberries, linger or zombie? Oh. <gasps> Zombie. Yes. Favorite spice to cook with. Uh, Oh my God. Favorite spice to cook with. I'm going to say turmeric because it's like magic. It's like magical health dust. (laughs) (laughs) You need to create a line of turmeric now. That's like the magical health dust by Rise Shine Cook. Uh, What's your favorite food or ingredient to photograph? Oh my God. Favorite food to photograph. My favorite, like, kind of recipe to photograph is soup. I love, really? like, I love the, the, like, adding the swirl of, of, like, cashew cream and, like, adding the herbs on top. I Whoa. love Oh, Yeah. Huh. That was unexpected. Yeah. What's your yeah. favorite dish to make for non-vegans? My favorite dish to make for non-vegans would have to be uh, the lentil marinara spaghetti that's in my book mm. with um, the 
turmeric, cashew, Parmesan. It's got all these like traditional flavors and it's like spaghetti. So it's like rich, like a pasta, but little do they know it's like super healthy, full of fiber, full of protein. The Parmesans, you've got like a whole like bevy of Parmesans in the book. Like a, The uh, Parmesans have been life changing for me and Bernard. We are like, I always have one in the fridge, but we're just like, oh my God, add some Parmesan to that. Like that Parmesan is going to kick that up like a billion notches. And you we give do like variations in the book, don't you? Yes. The hickory Parmesan. It's got oh. like this like bacony taste um and it is just like yeah it's just incredible you would never know you add it to stuff and you're like what is that it's it's good I maybe i should call that. that also magical health dust hey, it's good look at that's gonna be we're creating a line of products right now oh my magical goodness. health dust. yeah <laughs> uh what is on your nightstand right now oh my god okay so I am literally sitting on my bed right now because my husband is still home. He's not gone to work yet. So I didn't want him to make noise. So I'm sitting on my bed. I'm looking at my nightstand. I'm going to tell you exactly what is there. A almond milk latte leftover cup. <laughs> um, not surprised. Yuval, yep. Yuval Harari's 21 lessons for the 21st century book right. came out last year. Absolutely incredible. You know, I love to like read deep. Um, and what is that other book? I got to turn it around. Hold on. Oh my God. A book called House Jungle. It's about how to not kill plants. Oh, do you have plants? Oh my God. Are yes. Are you a plant like, mama? No, I kill them all. I'm so bad oh. at this. <laughs> like, I don't know how to keep anything alive. It's like an inside joke. Not even an inside joke. It's just like a, a known thing in my family. I buy a plant. Everybody's like, oh, that'll be dead in two weeks. So I'm just like trying my best to like have plants and be a plant mama because I feel like being like a, you know, plant-based recipe developer and like vegan foodie, I should be like able to care for plants and like have all my own herbs and stuff. I do not. Well, hey, you're putting the work in. You've got the book there. So maybe one day. (laughs) Uh, Brad Pitt or Bradley Cooper? (gasps) Brad Pitt. I'm sorry. I love them both. No apologies. Uh, No. Food on a stick or a tiny spoon? Tiny spoon. I love a tiny spoon. Almond butter or sunflower butter? Almond butter. Come on. Duh. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see if it would change at all. Just wanted to see. Uh, mild mild <laughs> Breakfast for dinner or dinner for breakfast? Breakfast for dinner. Multiple choice here. Beyonce. Halo, partition, or crazy in love? Oh, my God. You're asking me to, like, choose a baby that I love the most. <laughs> Uh, partition, the, the opening part of partition, that little like rap sequence she does, like I get down to that. That's like my jam. (laughs) And what did you binge watch last? Ozark. On Netflix. Oh, did you watch all of it? Yeah. You binge watched it. How many seasons? It's amazing. Three seasons. Have we talked about this before? We have not. Jason I Bateman. can't get like, past the first like couple episodes. We'll talk about it off the pod because oh I got a whole thing. Yeah. I oh want to. I want to. It's because of a. I. It's something that's happening in my older age. I think I'm just getting squeamish. Anyway, okay. last question: traditional cake or cheesecake? Oh my god! You know what? Like a year ago, I would have said traditional cake, but there. Now, now this sounds made up. There's this cheesecake in my book. It's a baked cheesecake made with tofu and cashews, and it doesn't have any coconut oil in it. And I made one last week and froze it in individual slices. And now I have one like every other day. It's bad. But so right now, cheesecake. (laughs) All right. That's it. That was your rapid fire. 
Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Thank you for making the time to do the podcast. I know uh, you being in Taipei, we, we work it out, but you had to get up a little earlier today and I appreciate it. Uh, listeners, pause this podcast now and head to your favorite online book retailer to pre-order the plant-based cookbook by Ashley Madden right now. Ashley, when does the book actually hit stores? The book drops on January 5th, 2021. listeners get when they pre-order your book? Yes. So um, I have uh, like the plant-based ebook. It's a, a smaller ebook. It's got about 10 to 12 recipes in it. It's still being clued up, but these are recipes that just like didn't make it to the book. Anybody who's written a book knows that you have a certain number of words you're allowed to work with. <laughs> and then at a certain point, they're like, you got to start taking stuff out. So it's such a tough decision, but these are recipes that were in the book that ended up getting taken out. So it's like a little extra thank you in an ebook form um, of the some of the recipes that didn't make it to the Do book. And some that are in there are like, there's a banana carrot cake donuts. There's my oh like- my cashew, gosh. Yeah, cashew cream penne with charred tomatoes. Like there's good stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, is, the, is the white uh, cheddar macaroni and cheese in there? Oh my God, it didn't make it to either of the books. But don't worry, it's like lined up for book number two. Okay, that was like one of the first things I tested, you guys. I loved it. But no, it's great. This other mac and cheese I had, the other mac and cheese I had tonight was delicious. I was like, okay, hummus mac and cheese. I'm not buying this. Uh, It was terrific. Um, I thought the idea, I was kind of like hummus as a sauce. What are we talking about here? And it worked out. It was so rich and fulfilling. Uh, So you guys go pre-order this book now. We're also going to do a giveaway on the Vegan Roadie uh, Instagram. So head over to the Vegan Roadie Instagram right now and enter the giveaway. And you heard her. Some bonus recipes for free in a stylish ebook with proof of purchase. So I pre-ordered and you should too. Plants rule the world and Ashley Madden makes it easier for them to do so. Ashley, where can people follow you on social media? Yes. So on Instagram, I am Rise Shine Cook. Uh, on Facebook, I am uh, AshleyMadden.ca. Uh, I think on Twitter, I'm also Ashley. No, I think I actually on Twitter. You know what? I'm not even the best on Twitter. I would say I'm mostly I'm not on either. Instagram. I'm terrible on Twitter. Yeah. Um, again, it's that visual component. So yeah, Instagram is probably the best way. Rise Shine Cook. So Rise Shine Cook everywhere. And the website is riseshinecook.ca. So you guys get some more of Ashley Madden. Rise Shine Cook and go pre-order the plant-based cookbook right now. You're the best, my queen. Now go get some coffee and get on with your day. I got to go get some sleep. I love you to pieces. I love you too. Thank you so much. This was fun. Bye, baby. Yeah, I, I I just love hearing I love hearing you guys talk because I'm so used to it now because like I'll come <laughs> home and like Benson will greet me at the door and I'll hear Dustin talking. I'm like, who's he talking to? And it's, and it's only like ever more heard. than likely Ashley. Yeah. And like I have to go over and like get a kiss like for a welcome. And Ashley's <laughs> like, hi, hi, David. Yeah, I mean it's funny in the morning because we're on separate time schedules as we just talked about in the pod, and she. Uh, is living in like she'll be in the morning and I'll be at night. So we just kind of like, she's always having coffee and I'm like brushing my teeth, but we make it work. It's kind of crazy. It's almost been better because we're on like a schedule. Well, yeah. And, and you guys are now catching each other 
yeah like around the same time totally each day so yeah it was um, really really cool to uh hear more about the cookbook though and uh the process of how she put that together and of course her story is super inspiring so everybody go get it the plant-based cookbook coming out january 12th uh all right so now it's time of the show for dustin's dish dustin's dish what a dish mm. what do we got for dustin's dish this week Oh, listen to me, some, everybody. You've, you've given us some good tips so far. So, oh, like, thanks, baby. Gotta keep raising the bar. Baby. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to do a little double header here. Okay. Okay. Because the holidays are coming, and I know it's different for everyone this year. Okay. Oh, yeah. I know that you're, you know, quarantining or you're seeing fewer family members than you normally would, that whole situation. Um, so, first of all, be safe, whatever you do. Second of all, wear a mask. For the holidays, I just want to say prep. Like, that is the biggest thing I can tell you. David can attest that I am bananas about this. And can you also say that when the night comes, whatever event, it rolls out like it's a catering company. Like, there's no muss, no fuss with me. You will help yourself and have a better time with your guests or your family or whoever it is if you just prep everything ahead of time. Um, And so so many things are so easy to just make ahead of time. Yeah. Like fillings like dips i mean you could just have them ready to go i like to like like let's say a vegan charcuterie board i like to get the board ready and then just cover it and put it in the fridge so that by the time everyone arrives i can just pull it out it's done i'm not building a board things like that cut your veggies ahead of time stuff like there's always that one guest that comes a little early oh my god and then you're like putting together the charcuterie board while you're like trying to talk to them but like give them attention but you need to get ready for everybody else yeah, exactly and that's what i have you for so you can talk to everyone exactly there we go. Uh, and other things just like even main courses you can get all of the elements ready so that when the time comes to cook on the big night or the big day you can just toss everything together put it on the stove or in the oven whatever you got to do and then you've got your meal ready instead of doing all of the prep that day so you get to enjoy your fa- and you can do prep like two three days in advance yeah. so like really just get those things done if you're going to decorate cookies with people maybe uh you know cook the uh, bake the cookies ahead of time so that you've got them and and make the frostings ahead of time so you can just when the time comes just just frost the cookies together Mm -hmm. anyway so that's like um just like a basic general tip on another note we're going to talk about cookies like i just did i remember last year when we moved i couldn't find my christmas cookie cutters uh but i found like random ones that i had had and one of them was a star and i took that star and i repurposed it into a santa claus and it had um the 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 points had like two arms, two legs, and then the top one had like Santa Claus's head, right? Oh, cute. So when I was thinking of a tip today, I was like, oh, I can tell them I did that. But I was like, you know what? I bet someone online has like taken this even further. And of course, I looked it up. And y'all, on tasteofhome.com, oh. there's 13 ways to repurpose cookie cutter shapes. So if you're looking for a way to jazz up your cookies this Christmas, or you only have one cookie cutter and you're trying to figure out how to like make it into different things, uh, tasteofhome.com's got it for you. So just Google 13 ideas to repurpose your cookie cutters, and it's going to pop up there on Taste of Home. Click on that. So there Boom. you go. Bottom line, prep for holiday cooking so you can be stress-free. And don't stress if you can't find the cookie cutter you need. Just get creative. Yeah, there's always a there's always there's, there's always, always time a for a cocktail. There's says Mrs. Costa Davis. I feel like that's like a challenge. Like, what if there's like a like speaking a, like of a our, pumpkin? Can you make that? Our dear friend Brittany Jeffrey was just on Cookie Christmas <gasps> yes! Championship on the Food Network. Oh my god, and so she cool. did so so well. She did if so you, well. So shout we out to her? Brittany. Do you Jeffrey. know her? Brit. 
Brits Batch? It's Wait. Brits Batch. At Brits Batch. It's Brits Batch. It's Brits Batch? It's like, it's Bratney Batch. It's Brits Batch. But only it's yeah. Brits Batch. So, okay, listen, before I forget, I'm going to do an Instagram giveaway on the Vegan <gasps> Roadie account starting Ooh. today on December 15th Ooh. through the 18th. That's Friday. So today on Tuesday through Friday the 18th, right now, the winner being announced on the 19th. Simply follow the Vegan Roadie and Ashley's account at Rise Shine Cook. So Ashley, who was on the podcast today, her account on Instagram is Rise Shine Cook. Follow her and me and then tag three friends in the giveaway post on Instagram at the Vegan Roadie and bam, you're entered to win. The instructions are all there. Go to the Vegan Roadie account on Instagram and it's the post with the cover of Ashley's beautiful book, The Plant-Based Cookbook. And also, uh, if you are not a winner, uh, don't fret. First of all, um, you're always a winner. But you're if you don't always win a winner. Book, but if you don't win the book, um, you can pre-order your copy of the plant-based cookbook now. I have already done it. Yes, me um, too. Uh, before it comes out on January 12th. And yes, and we did order too. We sure did. <laughs> as soon as it was like available. Um, uh, but simply visit Ashley on her website at riceshinecook.ca. Yes. Uh, and send in your proof of purchase there to get an amazing ebook from Ashley with a bunch of uh, extra recipes. Yeah, I love that. A little nice. incentive to... Uh, so if you get your jump on the pre-order, she's going to give you a bunch of free recipes and you just got to show the proof of purchase. That's lovely. The nice. plant-based cookbook ebook is the perfect companion to Ashley's book. Trust me when I say you want it and the only way to get it is that, squirrels. So we hope you're all staying safe and somewhat level-headed right now. It's a nutty year. We get it. Take care of yourself. Yes, yes. We love you and we want you to love yourself and we wish all of you a happy season in whatever way that takes shape this year. Uh, so listen, don't forget to rate this is the most important rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> give us, give us this Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa gift of your rating, reviewing, or subscription to this podcast. Yes, yes, yes. We love you dearly. So listen, yes. we'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, keep on cooking and remember, it's nice to be nice. This has been a Muzzy Cat production. <laughs>